Hello and welcome to University Challenged. Here's a question for you. What is it that makes a successful entrepreneur? Well, for this week's guest, Chris Britton, it is all about intention. From organising a show-stopping event to raise money for charity at secondary school, which got so much attention his parents had to get him a credit card machine, through to creating a beauty business that supplied to major news outlets aged just 18, Chris has always set self-limiting beliefs to one side. Today, he is co-founder and director of marketing agency KD. He translates his passion into serious results that inspire others. In our interview, we talk about how his early experiences influence his hiring practices, why intentional short steps make for great career moves, and the power of helping people realise they have the answers to their own questions. But that's not before we have a little bit of a chat about yachts. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, Chris, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to me today. I'm excited to share part of your day with you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate being here. This is a really exciting uh, interview, hopefully interesting for your audience as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, it will be. Um, <laughs> so um, so I'm, you know, I'm broadening my reach now because you are in Portishead. Yes, mm-hmm. I am indeed. Yeah, just on the outskirts of Bristol in a small uh, little village, uh, as you say, called Portishead on the marina. Marina. Are there lots of yachts? Is it a yacht kind of place? Very yachty, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fit in from that point of view. <laughs> Not got one yet. <laughs> no, yet. Ah, see, intention has been set. Not yet. Yet. It will be a canoe if I do get one. <laughs> it won't be a yacht. <laughs> Chris's canoe. Um, <laughs> well, let's think about what's going to help you get to that yacht. Um, could you please, for the listeners, uh, tell us your name and what you do today, what your profession is? So, uh, good question. Um, so, my name is Chris, Chris Britton, and uh, many people call me KB. Um, and my business is actually called KB, but the phonetic spelling of my initials, so K-A-Y-B-E, and that's where the name was born for the business. And um, what do I do? My official job role is a typical limited company managing director, but my mm-hmm. day-to-day is pretty much anything and everything. And that's uh, typical to my working ethos, where I would never ask anyone in the team to do anything that, uh, to do anything that I've not already done before or, or uh, wouldn't be happy doing myself so that's a bit why I apply myself to everything in in, uh, in the business. Right okay so you actually do you will answer the phones and do the tax return or have you got people that do Literally. that? I've got the tax return generally gets compiled by the accountant but I still oversee it and double check it and make sure we're happy with everything that's going out but yeah answering calls right the way through to copy paste copy paste copy paste when we're doing like a data transfer or moving um, data around in spreadsheets and things so um, yes I'm not uh, I'm not beneath anything to to get stuck in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And how old is the business? So um, the business is very uh, young as a limited company um, but actually it was first founded by me um, as a going out as a marketing consultant Um, so originally working as a sole trader um, and then I met my business partner and we formed a partnership but we didn't intend to start a business and it kind of grew 
into a point where we went right accountant said you need to get yourself as a limited company you're going to start employing yeah. people you need to diversify as to um uh, what you're going to be offering so it's best to sit as a limited company and the business has grown from that so while on paper as a limited company we look like we've only been established for a couple of years uh, we've actually been yeah. here for about five years now as kb so um yeah we've got quite a lot of uh, customers that we've acquired over that period of time brilliant okay um so if we then go back so you're running your own business today, running a limited company, you employ people, you're delivering big marketing campaigns. Um, mm -hmm. What was secondary school like? Hated it. So I, with a passion, I would say actually. Okay. So I, it was a love to hate uh, relationship that I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I started in secondary school with, uh, call yourself the keener of the world. I mean, that was the slang that was being used then. I'm sure it's evolved over the years. Um, but keener, the person who wanted to do good and achieve really good results. Okay. And I started from year seven to year nine and moved halfway through year 10 to another secondary school, which was a major upheaval, as you can imagine. And yeah. I think that was because um, my parents, but it was because of bullying that I moved. Um, but my parents were very keen for me to go to a Catholic school. And it was like a square peg grand house situation. And it yeah. was not a good fit. And um, their ethos just did not match up to mine. And the way they operated didn't really work at all. So halfway through year 10, I moved to a another regular state school that was just non-religious and I've got okay. no disrespect to anyone who's religious or anything along those lines but it worked out so much better but I was very rebellious then <laughs> I had this new mean streak in secondary school um and I went in and worked my way out of as many lessons as possible which is <laughs> awful so I didn't do PE because I told them I had a heart murmur gave me free lessons for that uh did and, and, and do, do you have a heart murmur Chris? i do but it was so mild oh, okay. it doesn't affect me at all <laughs> athletically so you know um and then i went to uh them and told them that i couldn't do any languages because i didn't do any languages at my previous school which is rubbish i did french and spanish but then i managed to drop out languages so in effect once i'd whittled everything down i'd only yeah. ended up doing about six gcses i think the average is like 12 or 13. Wow. um so it was <laughs> it was a very much selected as to what i wanted which was lovely um but very very naughty of me i suppose <laughs> okay but uh you knew what you didn't want to do which Correct. is key i think in life um just a, a quick question on what was it about uh going to a catholic school that your parents thought would be such a good educational choice it, 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 and, oh, educational choice don't know i think it was more the religious choice of the fact that okay. i would have to attend mass i would have okay. a religious upbringing and ah, okay. that this theory of of god would be something that would be uh throughout all of my education um because for example once a week you would have mass at school and you would have to attend things and i was so i was very heavily involved in it you know i, I yeah. there was one point in my life big shocker here now you know you heard it here first it's one point in my life i was going to consider becoming a priest that's how religious <laughs> i was just wow. to throw that out there so i was very engrossed in this whole uh religious i don't want to use the word cult but this religious formation should we yeah. say um and it wasn't really me but it was something that i got very engrossed in and i think wow. with the lack of support with when the bullying started was what yeah. made me think actually this is not all what it's cracked up to be because they say you should you know love one another and all of this but actually when it comes to dealing with matters there was no 
no shits given. Let's just drop it there. Mm. Let's drop the S-bomb. Uh, so yeah. yeah, there was no real cares given by by anyone. So uh, mm. and that's ultimately why we why I moved. Right. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that was not the right environment for you to be in. Yeah. Um, and then you've gone to a school where you said, well, I don't like these lessons. I'm not going to do that. Um, but you did sit some GCSEs. And do you remember how you got on with your uh, results? I do. I do. But yeah. I wasn't focused on achieving great results. That okay. wasn't my ultimate goal. My goal was to, I'm, I'm a big person and I hate to quote Thatcher here, but I'm a big person for opportunity. And I believe yeah. with opportunity, anyone can do anything that they put their mind to. So when I was 16, using the free lessons at school, yeah. uh, I started my own business. That's what I started in. Okay. So there's, there's an interesting story for you to the point where my parents had to get me a credit card machine in their name so I could take card transactions because <laughs> you couldn't have a credit facility unless you were 18 or over. So, um, so going back to your question, while I was there to obviously get an education, I wasn't really focused on that. I did get an A grade and that was in food technology. I've always been passionate about cooking and food, um, but I got C's, uh, I got C's and a D in science. Mm -hmm. So I retook my science, but I was, I just about scraped C's and, and an A out of all of the lessons. But when you compare that to my attempt at A levels, uh, that was an amazing achievement because my <laughs> going on to my A-levels uh, was ungradable. Okay. <laughs> uh, out of the four I took, English language, English literature, psychology, and, oh no, it's just three, and psychology. Uh, yeah, got ungradable. So there wow. you go. Okay. Um, I also took those A-levels, um, but I, I did scrape a pass on them. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I did not do was I didn't set up my own business that required me to get a credit card machine. I was cleaning offices and taking fag butts out of ashtrays. So um, who's winning there? Yeah. Come on, give me your rags to riches story, Tony. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all oh, in the same was, canoe here. I was, a, I was a cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> they all thought the cleaners were nicking the biscuits, but we weren't. We were nicking the tipex. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> of course. So, what, what else would you nick? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, tell me about the business you started. What were you selling that was so hot that you needed a credit card facility? Hot to trot. So there were two things. So originally, I started it as a. Uh, I recently lost at that time my aunt to cancer, to breast cancer, mm. and what I wanted to do was to. I knew I wanted to go into cosmetics. I knew I wanted to go into online commerce. But before yeah. I did that, I wanted to dabble with something that was safer yeah. um, and wouldn't necessarily risk in losing large amounts of money or investment or time, et cetera. So yeah. I started a charity tap dance and it turned into a bit of a phenomenon, um, yeah. far bigger than I ever expected it to be. So um, we ended up getting a lot of support from, and, and press coverage as well from Andrew Lloyd Webber, Anton Deck. Uh, we had <laughs> lots of, so for gifts and things like this that were being donated for raffles and yeah. um, uh, their management companies were absolutely amazing. So I did in this shopping center, a tap dance that right. was, well, three actually. And in a space of about four minutes or five minutes of a, yeah. of a dance scene, we generated about, 
12 to 15,000 pounds. I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head. And again, that required the use of taking card payments. So that's where it started. And I got a bug for being in control and being able to create something from nothing. So okay. obviously can, those were Can you charity. tap dance? Uh, yes. Yes, oh, okay. oh, yeah, I can. I can. But I wasn't dancing, actually. But I had an awesome, awesome uh, choreographer uh, at the school and it, yeah. who was a dance teacher, obviously, and, and she choreographed the whole thing and she was amazing. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so very, very different to uh, what you would, I suppose, start with, start out with yeah. in life. But it was okay. great to pull friends together, family support and all of these things to mm. to make it happen. So it was in the shopping centre in the middle of Bristol on a Saturday, no one knew it was happening, um, but it raised a ton of money and got a load of heads turned and uh, yeah, quite quite an achievement. <laughs> Ant and Deck just tippy-tapping through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, okay, so you've done your charity tap dance, raised a yep. load of money, and then, so that's sort of got you, like I can create something and make money from it, which went to charity, mm -hmm. amazing. Yep then yep. what then i started uh in cosmetics so my first uh business i started was a business that uh sold cosmetics online and the idea behind this was purely to sell uh makeup to really just a whole from a wholesale point of view so we'd sell it to like makeup artists and um we'd sell it to like so some of our customers like bbc itn channel 4 bloomberg so it would be used for tv and media and it was high definition high definition um makeup yeah. um never have been a makeup artist myself always been interested in it but never yeah. never understood anything beyond the science of pigmentations and things like this so yeah. um but that grew um to the point where we were having more customer inquiries from the general public than we were from wholesale so we ended up diversifying and offering it out as a b2c product and directly offering it to um to consumers and then from that um offering we then as i said people bought that online and that's when i really started to to make the money as it were and and uh, things really started to take off and i thought okay i've got some kind of ability to do this here um and never really been taught on it it's more just trial and error but I'm a very big believer in fail fast. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to fail, fail fast and then change direction. And how old were you at, at that point? 17 and then rolled over into sold the business at 21, I think right. then. Yes. And um, so when you sold the business, what, what position did that put you in? Could, could you afford to buy your own house? Where yes, you... I did. And I did. So I was really pleased with that. Um, wow. I bought my, I originally bought my own house, but met, paid a huge proportion off. I originally bought my first house when I was 18 off the success of that and then sold the business yeah. at 21. Um, and took a bit of a, a, a break from there, but did start to, um, then I went into a completely different business again. So, yeah. Um, one thing that's really interesting to me actually is Initially, your parents chose a school for you. That didn't work out. You then, you know, you've moved schools. You've made a clear choice on something that you want to do. And your parents have said, yeah, sure, we'll get you a credit facility. That's really interesting to me. How, how um, are they entrepreneurial? Absolutely not. So uh, I couldn't be more clear. So many people ask that question. Where do you get your entrepreneurial flair from? Mm. It's not from my mum. It's not from my dad. My mum uh, runs. A, or did run she's taken early retirement same as my dad uh, a prison in Bristol a male prison and 
yeah, very different. And my dad is a, or was a personal uh, bank manager and also operated a lot of the retail incentive schemes that happened within banking and the finance sector. So two different personalities from their point of view, but then when you consider my personality, there is zero crossover on, on either side of those, apart from being maybe money obsessed, um, <laughs> if, if by my own admission. Um, but is that a bad thing? I don't know. Some people don't like it, but yeah, <laughs> that's oh, what I would. Well, there's a real, uh, and what's interesting actually to me is that my initial driver on leaving school was I need to make money. I have to mm -hmm. make money. I can't afford mm -hmm. not to make money. And uh, the first person that I interviewed for the podcast, Nina, uh, the same went for her. She was like, once she started earning money, she said, this, this is where I want to be heading. Um, mm -hmm. to create that financial security um did um so you bought and sold a business by the time you were 21 taking mm -hmm. a break you know because you can afford to as you do mm -hmm. as you do what did you do after that what motivated you to take your next step? um there was a gap in the market and i thought this would be a safe bet so basically, we were going through a phase where the government were handing out large um, incentive programs for individuals to be able to, and businesses to be able to buy renewable energy um, yeah. generators. Um, and then they would be paid for either generating heating or hot water or electricity mm -hmm. or whatever that might be. So this was referred to as either the renewable heat incentive or uh, something called ROCs, which were a tradable commodity, um, which are renewable obligation certificates. So my thinking was this was a very safe area to work in because there are government backed uh, schemes. Um, and so basically I went into starting the second business, which was bioenergy and solid fuel combustion. So effectively um, the, I know, right? Very, very closely tied to cosmetics, Tony. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> nuclear other, eyelashes. Why not? Well, yeah, not nuclear Would it eyelashes. Be wind, wind powered eyelashes. <laughs> exactly. Um, we did something a little bit different. So we burnt chicken litter and horse litter and generated the heating and hot water for poultry farms, abattoirs, um, and stables, these types of um, environments. Yeah. Yeah. And then we sold that energy uh, either back to the grid or used it on site and then claimed the renewable heating center. Yeah. However, that success story was shortly lived um, because the business went bang overnight, uh, all because of one customer um, uh, attempting to take a loan out for a boiler and having no intention of actually buying it. And we obviously right. bought the goods in good faith. And it, to put that into perspective, you think, okay, a business can take a hit of one customer. An average typical contract value for that business was about 800,000 pounds, 850,000 pounds. So when you take a whack of that much, uh, it can make you go bang overnight, especially when you've got a number of um, uh, customers and, and staff that you need to keep happy. Uh, yeah. So it was a horrible experience, but one where I learned an awful lot. And I think that's where I learned to trust people the least uh, right. during that experience, because people's word is is not as great as you may take it to be. Um, yeah. And when people don't have the right intentions, it can obviously scupper your plans. Yeah. And were there any times when I'm thinking that... Um, you've worked through the the cosmetic side of things you've worked with enormous media organizations 
Then mm -hmm. in the renewables, you're dealing with very high value contracts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess there's two questions to me in there. One is, what was it that got you over that uh, uh, fear that many people would have of like, oh, I am like not long out of school and I'm going to go and sell cosmetics to ITN. That's one mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'm early 20s. And I'm dealing with a, 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 a loan of £800,000. Is there ever a point so, where you thought, hmm, this is big? I never really take a step back and consider okay. it like that. And, I, and I, to the point where an hour before this agreed interview, yes. I turned to the person next to me who's called Ethan and I said, I really don't know if I've got the credentials to be doing this. This is surely about people's success stories. And I don't feel very successful uh, in comparison to, you know, are you looking to get the, the Jeff Bezos of this world and these types of people when you look at their levels of success? So mm. I think success is always in, in the eye of the beholder, I suppose, because what I see as successful in my eyes is not where I am now. It's where I'm going to be in five or 10 years time. Whereas when I talk to many other people, they say, well, look how much you've achieved and look at the success of what you've got and how big the business is and the people you employ and all of that. But I suppose it very much depends on what each individual deems as success. So mm. bringing, tying that back into your question, I never really take a step back and go, wow, look at all we've achieved. I do sometimes on a, on a yearly basis, try and take New Year's to take as a time of reflection. And I say, what were things like this time last year? And I'll go, okay, a lot's been achieved there. But I never would attribute that necessarily to success. Um, oh. So, yeah, I don't really go, wow. Um, I just, I think I'm very brazen. And I never, it's probably my lack of, lack of taking the time to really consider what the ramifications would be if something goes wrong. <laughs> and I will just jump in feet first. And I'll go, my, one of my first pitches ever for the cosmetics was to Harrods buying um, yeah. department for cosmetics. And to be honest with you, I was kind of, it wasn't until I was leaving going, how on earth did I end up actually getting that appointment? And it was through direct email and making a contact, but yeah. I will always aim high. And then if I don't get that, I will just at least fall a bit lower, but I won't be starting low and then trying to incrementally grow to a higher point. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great way to look at it, actually. I, I did send a direct message to Slow Tie. I thought, I'm going to see if he'll be on this podcast. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but you think, well, why not? DMs are open. Uh, no doubt his people have gone, I don't think so. Um, okay, so your feet first, diving in. You've got a business that you've sold, made yep. great money. You've got a business that's gone bang. What do you do next? I think for me it was very much a you don't have the credentials on paper to mm. be able to throw yourself in at the deep end from a marketing point of view so you have to prove yourself through experience okay. so i started working on contracts with individuals such as uh some smaller organizations like kodak i know that sounds like a very big consumer name but actually <laughs> the operational side of things is very small um, behind the scenes of what happens um, so I worked with some larger consumer brands in order to drive some recognizable credentials, which would then help me grow 
the business and what I'm able to offer moving forward because people get excited by the power of a brand name and really my focus from there was because one thing that's been consistent let's be clear here is that I've not just bounced from cosmetics to bioenergy with like no real idea of where I'm going it has Mm -hmm. consistently been driven by my ability to drive sales through marketing the only reason that I've been able to secure the sales or the ability to uh, bring in revenue has been through being able to pitch it directly out to wholesalers, directly out to consumers, directly out to buyers, so that I can start those conversations. So there has been a consistency through all of the businesses that there has been always a drive on marketing. And there has, I did, I was really fearful starting an agency because my question always was can you market marketing it's like can you telesale telesales Uh, you know it's it's and and ironically you know it's it's like when you go into the hairdressers and you your your stylist is bold or you go to a plumber and he's moaning your plumber's at your house and he's moaning about his boiler that doesn't work at home you know it's the projects that never get finished by the people who are experts in their field and it's like actually I haven't had a chance to do marketing in a marketing agency, but I can apply all of what I've learned to the agency to be able to get great results for customers. So that's the difference here is that I'm not actually marketing myself anymore. I'm now marketing on behalf of others and using all of that experience from before into applying it into the current business. Right. Okay. Um, And at Kodak, you see around marketing for them globally campaigns yeah. For them. yeah yeah yes and so then... all sorts of campaigns but they were mainly consumer yeah. driven um, yeah. but I did a lot also at that time I did a lot of work with transitions optical so the lenses that change color the, the oh. photochromic lenses when you go outside um, again Kodak again is assumed for photography but this was their spectacle lens arm that I was working with so yeah. hence the introduction to transitions um, yeah. and work with brands like Ray-Ban and, and other frame manufacturers as well as lenses yeah. um, to be able to um, from a consultative point of view, really, to help grow uh, grow the business division. So it's you get a good experience there of both consumer side and also dealing directly with opticians and um, optical outlets mm. of what the B2B side of things are as well. So I think that was probably a great area of learning for me and obviously understanding how larger brands operate at that level from behind the scenes. Yeah. And that just on those transitions, I mean, the marketing is great because like my husband bought a pair and I remember though him go to the supermarket and saying these are awful he said because they're great when you're outside and the sun comes out he said then you go inside and you're walking around a supermarket with dark glasses on glasses and people on. look at you like <laughs> you're not the sort of person I, I want to you know my children around because <laughs> um, they take a very long time to go back um not anymore but, not not no. anymore they've got generation eight out now and they are much quicker at turning back to clear as long as they are transitions branded um i don't know about other brands out there on the market but i can speak highly of transitions so um still got yes. your finger in the, finger quick the pulse plug there. there yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so you, you've done kodak and where where are you going next how do you get from kodak to running your own agency just purely go bouncing from person to person, business to business on very yeah. short stints of time intentionally. And this okay. is purely to grow up a, uh, sorry, to collate a, a really good level of understanding of how businesses yeah. operate. Because to date at that point, I'd only ever known how I'd operated my businesses. Um, yeah. And it was a great opportunity to then be applied into other businesses and get as a consultant, a really close understanding of 
how they run their PLs, how do they run their budgets, how do they, what do they do once they've generated their marketing contacts. So from there, I had opportunities in digital publishing, um, specifically mm. within accounting and finance, um, or within HR, or um, with other within. Um, there was a business forums um, uh, publication as well. So there were a number of publications that I worked with um, during that period, and almost agency style uh, setup that they that mm. they were. Um, and then separately from there, I've also worked in technology and software companies. And I thought that was going to be my biggest learning opportunity. And I was right. So selling software as a service, how do you apply um, uh, a software product, sell, retail it out as a service, and then also leverage a recurring revenue in order to grow grow out um, grow out the, the, the budget over a period of time. So from my point of view, I really wanted to take a number of um, learning opportunities as short stints and for me in that point of view education has been free because I've been able yeah. to in fact actually I've been I've been paid to be educated because mm. through the willingness to take an opportunity and to really apply myself and don't get me wrong it's very much not a nine-to-five you have to be doing the the legwork outside of the typical nine-to-five hours to be able to truly apply yourself um, but through really gaining a good understanding of how businesses operate and be able to apply rather than just be able to apply theory to be able to apply practically how something works in theory something's great but to be able to ap apply practical um nows as to how something would work has really been a great tool to leverage in order to be able to grow not only my business but other people's businesses as well and it's really interesting um and i'm making notes there because what you said about those intentional short steps if i think about times when i've been in employment lots of organizations will say well you must spend at least two years in this role or mm -hmm. you are taught to think about careers in that linear long term you know mm -hmm. you have to spend many many years doing the same thing but you're doing agile before it's become a thing like you said you're failing yes. fast going or, or not or not failing fast just saying i'm going to learn this and move on learn this and move on um, but that's true in my recruitment style. So, so many recruiters will say you need to have, like you say, X experience, X years of experience in this or that. I will intentionally look for someone who has limited experience, but a passion for what they want to do. Passion for me is far more important than education a million times more. So I've got someone in sales here who has been absolutely fantastic, has a passion for sales, never really had a massive opportunity to grow, learn and develop. And he has come in and absolutely shaken things up. And the reason that he's been able to shake things up is because I've been able to teach him how I need it to be sold and what I've learned over the years is the best way to sell rather than being a number, sitting there and just dialing out time and time again for big companies like RAC or whatever they might be. You know, yeah. you don't want to sit there just dialing out outbound and being part of an outbound call center is how do you generate sales? Because ultimately you're not selling, you're helping someone solve a problem. And mm. taking that mind step, is, that, that understanding is so important. Having that mindset um, is critical to be able to be successful. So for me, it's not, oh, I've got five years experience in sales. Uh, if anything, that's a bit of a turnoff, um, you know, or I've gone to uh, done the, do these extra courses in sales. Yes, it's great. You've been able to do extra courses and don't get me wrong. Everyone needs a place to start. But passion is really the key driver, I think, to being successful. And then with passion, naturally, you take more opportunities that are presented to you or you hunt them down if you can't find any. Yeah. And, and so with your recruitment practices there, you said, how do you, how do you bring people into your business then? 
<laughs> so in a very backwards way, um, the recruiter <laughs> that we work with, he's absolutely awesome. Um, his name is Philip Keith. He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but I think we do things very differently than any other customer that he works with. Uh, so for the ability to be able to focus on still growing the business, because we're still a small business, so we can't spend hours and hours and hours recruiting, we get him to interview the people beforehand. And he's now learned, and, and we then get a copy of that recording and we watch back the ones that have been shortlisted so huh. that we, we're not even involved in the step one. So he oh. knows exactly what we're looking for. And through the time that we've spent working together, we've been able to get a really good, under, he's been able to get a really good understanding of the kind of level of passion that we need and the level of experience is great. Don't get me wrong, and experience in business is extremely important. But if you've got a good level of passion, which he knows is what we're looking for, we've had people come on with very little experience, but also very little passion. And mm. that's not gonna help anyone and not gonna get us excited. Um, whereas someone goes, I really want to break into marketing or I really want to break into sales or most recently I've hired a PA and she's yeah. been very, very, very passionate about getting into PA, but she's done a whole multitude of other things beforehand and mm -hmm. that haven't necessarily been related to being an executive assistant. So mm -hmm. for me, when we took her on, it was a bit of a risk because we've got all these other PAs who have got eight, nine, 10, 12 years experience and mm. are really, really great credentials, but actually they're gonna operate in a very corporate way, in a way that won't work for us. We're very fun, we're very different. And that is important that that personality fits, which is why they weren't successful in the, in, in the recruitment process. But, but Nicola was um, uh, very successful in that recruitment process because she's been able to apply herself from that point of view um, and has that passion to, to get involved in something so heavily. Wow, it's really interesting. Um, and how about, so you have done, because I looked at your LinkedIn profile, research, cool. research, um, research. Harvard, Harvard Business School. Did you, yes. so you've taken Sorry. some qualifications as you've built your business? Um, no, well, yes, okay. I've, um, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Where do we start with that? I've taken the opportunity to get access to free learning when I've been provided it. So yeah. I've been working in businesses and they've rolled out uh, um, educational programs before yeah. uh, to a number of select individuals. Um, and it was called Harvard Matt Parler. It wasn't called that. It was called <laughs> Harvard Managed Mentor. And it was effectively how to apply management practices into a business. Okay. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I okay. <laughs> Hated it. Shall I tell you why? Nothing worked yeah. in practice. And um, the reason nothing worked is I've always had from people, you're really different, Chris. You're a really different kind of person. You care about the individual more than you care about following the process or the protocol. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's what helps someone stand out is to be authentically you. It's mm. all very well following what they advise you to do and how to act in certain situations. But ultimately, if you're not applying your own nouse to it and your own flair, you're merely just becoming a carbon copy of the of the program. But don't get me wrong. I don't believe that everything educational is wrong. We build training platforms for people. I know how important education is. Yeah. Um, and in certain circumstances, we help people identify different types of melanoma. We help 
uh, one of the one of the training platforms we've done is to help um, uh, salons and, and uh, hairdressers and barbers to identify when there's melanomas in, in areas that they would see on the back of someone's head that they wouldn't necessarily see. I get that education is important, but it's all a case of applying it and making sure that it's relative to what you want to do with your life. And for me, would have I ever used my psycho psychology A-level? Probably not. Uh, when I write English language and, uh, uh, and, and apply myself to uh, writing literature now, I get really good feedback, mm. but I was ungradable. I was told <laughs> that I was never going to be employable by my sixth form, uh, six, head of sixth form. And actually he, he was right. I am unemployable. That's why I have my own business because yeah. those people are unemployable <laughs> for very yeah. good reason. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I, I, I hear you and I, know that I am equally unemployable Chris. Yeah, well, um, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll create a new fan club Tony it's going to be called the unemployables the unemployables um, oh my god yes we should yes it's like be like yeah like sort of like uh I don't know in a program called the undateables you could have yes. the unemployables so we can pitch that to channel five the, un the unemployables the un um or maybe <laughs> yeah maybe we should pitch not channel five we'll pitch it to Netflix um, Why not? I mean, that is the, the go-to platform nowadays. That is the yeah. go-to platform. So what is next year? We've you know, there's some yachts in the marina. <laughs> they don't have your name yes. on yet. Not yet. Not um, yet. What is next? Good question. Uh, do you know, I'm so engrossed and enjoying in what I'm doing now that my my plan only stretches out to really about five years uh so i it's a very interesting debate because between me and my business partner um christiana who uh, another interesting conversation how do you run a business when your business partner's overseas that's a fun one oh, um wow. but the the relationship that that we've got she wants to build the business up and keep it and I'm going well how do we build it up and have an exit strategy in yeah. 10 years time um, which is typical within the, the field that we work in within the creative field so my my plan is to grow over the next five years significantly we're on a diversification path and we are on a very clear growth strategy and what we're what we're aiming for um, as a business and everyone within the business is brought into that but beyond five years that's a debate for me and Christiana to have can't answer that question but for now I'm very passionate about that and also um, with helping others smaller businesses um, and other people outside of work through through charity work and things like that so it's very yeah yeah very very uh I say five years I know what I'm going to do but beyond that I've not had a got a huge idea yet and I guess to touch on that actually um you said you know motivated by money to an extent um, however you have helped other business founders and owners I think you've done mm -hmm. some mentoring yes. there and yeah with Virgin <clears throat> yeah so there's that and, and also you volunteer for the Samaritans as well so there is something beyond just money for you how, how, how does that sort of form part of who you are Good question. I think um, 
So there's two arms. There's Virgin School for Startups. And for those, who, those of, uh, who are watching this who don't know what they, they are and how they operate, they effectively fund small businesses by giving a loan out. And then they match them up with mentors, people like me, to help them grow their business um, and help them scale their business to another level. So you've got people who are great um, uh, inventors. You've got people who have got a great product or a great business idea have no idea how to get it up off the ground or if they do it's very, very limited knowledge so they get they fund them and then they give help and and the help comes as pro bono through people like me why do i do that partly to give back partly to build a network i'm very very passionate about small businesses I really want to help the economy grow um, and it's something that i'm really passionate about however on the flip side yes i do do samaritans work um and it's a very interesting role because I'm very keen not to be a people pleaser but to help and support individuals um, and I appreciate that mental health is a disability that's not necessarily visible and it's important that people have the opportunity to speak because so often people are crippled by their own mindset that they're not able to see the bigger picture and then able to go to the next level and equally people who do run businesses which are very very high stress environments don't get the opportunity to really see what they can be doing and how they can be helping themselves by thinking in a different way. And it's very easy if you've got money constraints or money concerns, or you've got concerns over delivering something, it can have very quickly have an impact on your life in a very detrimental way. So that's why I do a lot of work with Samaritans. Um, obviously, they run a very confidential service, fantastic service. Um, and um, if anyone's ever thinking of joining who's watching this, I highly recommend looking into it. Um, I do an, what we refer to as a night owl service. I'm one of the people who sits on the phone at night um, and speaks to individuals who are in an hour of need. Um, mm. But the idea is that you get to speak to the individuals before they get to the point of considering um, ultimately something that could drastically change their life and, and their loved one's lives as well. Mm. Wow. So, um, I don't know, it's quite... It's How do quite you come back off of that one, Tony? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, Chris, where to uh, take that. But there's what's interesting to me is that um, you operate uh, in a professional sphere, which is about helping organisations to make money. They're selling through marketing. Um, mm -hmm. But there is this uh, kind of... Uh, sense running alongside that you're not just in it for yourself you're you're actually seeking to help other people to change their lives in a positive way positive way whether that's yeah. through their business or, or giving them support when they when they need it mm -hmm. um and five years from now who knows who knows? Who, who knows? You'll be doing. Who knows? Yeah. Could be championing my own charity. Could end up, you know, to give back. I could have another business on the go. I've already, already, already got some ideas of where it could be, but nothing yeah. setting in stone yet. And to be honest, planning is really important. I get that. Mm. But if you look back at what my plan was and how different it's turned out, so my plan was to go to the second uh, to the secondary school, be really successful in my GCSEs. That's turned out differently. Plan was to go to into A levels and then claw that back and to be able to achieve success for A levels. That's mm -hmm. turned out very differently. 
And then again, other ideas in my life. If you ever said to me when I started the cosmetics business, are you going to go into bioenergy and solid fuel combustion? Would have mm. been a big fat no. I would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand how it works. Same again, would I go into marketing? Would have thought, well, no, because I don't really understand necessarily how to sell my services. I just know how to sell the product that yeah. I uh, that, that I am working with at that point in time. Mm. So again, it's important to plan, yes, but I wanted to make sure that I keep an open mind to be able to seize the opportunity that exists at that point in time and what might be an opportunity now may not be in five years' time um, and what is, doesn't exist now could become an opportunity in five years' time. So, yeah, keeping an open mind is an important one for me. Yeah, and, and to finish on that point, um, one thing that's really interesting about all the things you've done is like you said you know diving in with both feet and spotting opportunities and and being alert to those things um mm -hmm. how would you um let's say someone you know was coming to you maybe for a little bit of coaching and and how how would you direct them to kind of notice where those opportunities are and and to put themselves forward so someone that's going, you know, I've got an idea for a business, but I've got no money and I've got no connections. What do they need to be doing? That's, that is a really good way of positioning it. Because again, when you consider what I've invested into making, getting things to start, I intentionally, when we put KB as a limited company, we intentionally wanted to prove that you didn't have to have much to create something mm. so between my business partner and I we started it on 300 pounds wow yes oh my goodness okay so and that was being lavish with certain things to be honest <laughs> with you so we probably could have done it for about 200 pounds each but we didn't we went to 600 pounds and it's a very very different landscape now and I think there's part of it is to everyone everyone I talk to from Samaritans I never tell someone what to do and when I mentor an individual in the business I'm never ever ever telling them what to do mm. people have the answers to their own questions mm. but for me my challenge is how do I ask the why why are you doing that so for example one of the things I try to instill in the business is a three-tier process brain buddy boss first of all ask yourself then ask a colleague then ask the leader of the business right before you then just go oh I'm just going to do the easy thing and go straight to the boss I think what's hard is that people don't necessarily apply their thinking and through mentoring and coaching it's then my opportunity to help them apply their thought process to be able to come to an outcome that they would have been capable of but all I'm doing is teasing that information out from them so Yes, if you have no money, but you've got an idea where you want to go or you want to do something, but you don't know what it is, mm. finding a good mentor or finding a good partner or someone to work with is really key in helping you tease out where you could be going and what's, what your capability is. Quite often I hear people say that they're stuck in jobs they don't enjoy. I love my job. Yeah. I love what I do for a living. But yeah. actually, they're the only people who can change that. I can, yeah. I can give them all the advice under the sun. But actually, I'm not the person who can change that for them. They're the people who can change it and have to want to change it. So if we get an opportunity to help them change it, then if they feel like they've come up with the ideas, they're more inclined to be following them through because they feel that it's their idea. Whereas if it's, I'm going to follow the plan of Chris Britton and what he's put in front of me, 
why would I do that? That's not proven to do anything in my situation. So if it's their ideas, they'd be able to follow it through. So I think coming back to your question, it is again, important to be aligning yourself to the right people and build on a network. If you don't know people, LinkedIn is a great place to start. Communities are awesome. People do reach out. There are all sorts of business, starting a business community, same on Facebook as well. If you want something in a little less professional environment, a bit more relaxed, there are networks out there to really start conversations and see where they take you. Fantastic. Great stuff, great advice for life. We're going to get you a T-shirt that says Brain Buddy Boss, although you probably already have one, don't you? I don't, actually. So uh, if my secret Santa delivers that, I know where it's come from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. right. I've committed myself now. Um... (laughs) How about that? And I'll take a thumbnail still for this video. How does that sound? (laughs) Brain Buddy Boss. (laughs) Brain Buddy Boss. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Really appreciate the opportunity and best of luck. You've been listening to University Challenged with me, Tony Kent, and my guest, Chris Britton. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please give it a share with someone that you know, like, love, are connected to. And also, if you can, give it a review on your favourite podcast platform. I look forward to bringing you our next career story next week. Thank you.